Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfellow. Good evening, all. And we also welcome back to the show our friend, freelance writer, Rowan Kaiser. Hello. Did you say Troy Goodfella? Boy, I sure hope I didn't. Because that that's a great thing to say. I liked it. Troy Goodfella. Uh, that's that, that's actually my favorite Scorsese movie, uh, yeah. by the way, is, is, <laughs> is Troy Goodfellas. Um, yeah, so this week we are discussing Norbsoft Dev's uh, Scourge of War Waterloo, uh, which is a follow-on to Scourge of War uh, Gettysburg, and is part of the Take Command uh, lineage of you know, 19th century uh you know, Napoleonic-style war games. And Scourge of War is a bit of a departure for Norbsoft Dev because previously all the games in the series were Civil War uh, war games. Uh, but this has long been a sort of favorite series of mine. We've talked about a couple different uh, editions of, of this game on the show here. Uh, Troy, to get us started here, why don't you just set the stage for what the, what the Scourge of War series is and, and, and what it's doing? Uh, the Scourge of War series and the Take Command series um, are real-time war games where you command very close to your units. You command, you take the position of a commander at various different levels, either at the the brigade, the division, um, the army level. And at each level, you have increased. The higher the level is, the more increasingly complicated your decisions become. If you take a lower level position, you can have pretty much good, you have very good control of your troops. You can order them around because you're close and you're right on top of them. But the higher up you go, the more the game encourages you to give general commands, general directions to your sub commanders. Uh, you can give them more uh, detailed commands. You can move them around in some cases. <laughs> But the larger the battlefield gets, the less effective that becomes because it is so hard to track what is going on at the battlefield at any one time. So it is a game about uh, the position of command. It is about being an officer and the decisions that an officer has to make. You often have a very limited view of the battlefield at any one time. Um, you'll be, If you're playing a lower commander, you'll get orders from your higher-ups, then they will tell you what your objectives are, and then you have to find them on the map and then go and do them. Um, in Waterloo, you can make requests of your above commanders. You can say, I don't have any cavalry, but I want cavalry support. And if you're lucky, there will be cavalry around to help you, but there's no guarantee that that will happen or that your courier will get through at all, uh, which sometimes doesn't happen. So it is a game about, uh, it's a real-time game with you, sometimes you have great control, sometimes it's very indirect control, and the sweet spot, I think, for everybody who plays the game is figuring out where they are most comfortable uh, with this system, with understanding uh, the expectations that the game puts onto you. One of the big changes in Waterloo is that it adds a campaign-type game. It's not just the battles themselves. It's not just Waterloo and Cathara. It has a campaign on a, I guess it's a hundred square 100 kilometers by 100 kilometers or something. It's a very big battlefield where you map out where you want your armies to go and what their instructions are. Um, we'll talk about that a bit later, I hope, but that is kind of the big departure uh, in Waterloo because the system itself... <coughs> 
of maneuvering your troops and having the divisions and the armies and the brigades in that level of command, that really hasn't changed much from the very beginning. And now, um, you know, so for me, this has always been kind of a favorite uh, series of mine because I, I think this series does better than than most other war games covering the space, covering this era of sort of capturing the uncertainty and and challenges of of command. Um, you know, the, the analogy I, I love to make is you know, take command is a war game where. Uh, that, that first exchange on the first day of, of Gettysburg between Lee and, and Harry Heath uh, as Lee rides up to the battlefield. Uh, it's a war game where, where that actually kind of happens, right? Where, where you, will, you will sort of arrive on the scene and discover things are happening that aren't remotely what you planned for and, and aren't really what you'd expected uh, because other commanders either let you down or uh, overextended or did any of the any number of the things uh, that, that caused a lot of 19th century battles to, to sort of turn. But so I was coming to Scourge of War from, from the perspective of, you know, kind of a, a, a longstanding fan. Uh, Rowan, had you, had you ever encountered uh, this series before? No, this was the first time that I had gotten into it at all. And uh, I was kind of surprised after playing it for a bit and I read the manual and they said they said you know here's where we came from and started talking about the previous games of the series but they started it by saying that they they wanted to be like Sid Meier's Gettysburg specifically like that that that's where they placed the start of their lineage which is an old favorite of mine and this is much more of a uh much more of a specific intricate war game than that which was uh very much an accessible kind of strategy war game for anyone to pick up and play, where I would not necessarily say that this is the case for uh, Scourge of War. No, no, I would, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, what were your big, what were your big stumbling points? Because, because I know that like your first reaction to it uh, was was kind of uh, perplexed. Um, <laughs> what would be uh, perplexed disappointment? Uh, might have been the, the the shadings of your your early communiques on, on the subject. So, like, you know, coming coming to this kind of cold, uh, you know, what were what, what were the stumbling points? What were the what were the major first impressions? Well, in terms of first impressions, I don't I don't think that I stayed perplexed, although I did stay fairly disappointed. But in the first impressions, it's the the interface. You talk about how it's about like. Um, limiting the perspective of the commander so that they can't see much when that's working like that's that is a thing that i can feel when i'm playing the game like it's hard to see the whole battle at once it's hard to um kind of get where you have an easy way to order your troops around but a lot of that felt more like i'm fighting the interface than i am specifically limited as an individual like just i don't know the buttons that swing your camera around swing it around really really slowly and you know i found some options that were able to speed that up to a point where it was tolerable but it was definitely not at that point when i started and just like moving around the map like you click when you if you open up the the map and click on the point that you want to look at, it takes you to ground level at exactly that point as opposed to being able to see that point. So you have to kind of figure out how to maneuver around 
to where you're clicking on the point where you know that you can see the thing that you actually want to see as opposed to um, just sort of ending up there. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of interface fighting. Now, to be fair, I didn't like this. Didn't surprise me a whole lot. This is a war game that's not made on you know massive you know total war level budgets or whatever that can do the most uh do the most interface and graphical oh yeah like shenanigans that are going to make all those things super easy that was just that um a lot of that didn't necessarily feel like it was this is the way the game is supposed to be played it felt more like this is what they're stuck with and that that made it a little difficult to get into at the start yeah, I think it's fair to mention here that like the the underpinnings for this engine, I think, are at this point over a decade old. Uh, I don't know how much this has in common with the original Take Command uh, Bull Run uh, engine, but I suspect uh, it, it has a great deal in common uh, be, because my understanding was when the um, when the old studio sort of split, uh, you know, the engine kind of went with the with the coder. Um, and as did a number of these scenario designers. So I think this, this is an engine that, that is effectively like over a decade old. Uh, and, and it definitely shows. And, it's, and it was old tech at the time. Like, this is a uh, sprite-based war game. It's got a 3D map, uh, but the, the little formations that uh, go sort of strutting across it are, you know, are, are two-dimensional sprites. Uh, and, and by golly, there's a lot of them. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a very uh, a, a very old old like, old tech uh, war game, and I think that I think it does hurt this game more than well, well. We'll talk about that 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 a bit later in the show. But I think this is the first this is the first in the series where I started to really wonder if my frustrations weren't just based on the fact that this is. An engine that's getting pretty long in the tooth uh, at this point. Um, but at the same time, like I, I think something this series does really, really well, and it really comes through for me in, in, in Waterloo, is that it captures the scale of this kind of warfare in a way that very, very few games do. Like you know the biggest the biggest total war battle wouldn't rate as like a skirmish in you know in in, in the napoleonic at a napoleonic scale right now they look dramatic as hell uh they're really impressive but usually it's you know a, a total war battle tends to involve uh you know two single lines sort of clashing into each other uh and, and squaring off one by one when you load up the waterloo scenario as as the french uh, or or you run or you load up the uh, Ligny scenario and you you play it from the army level, you start to realize that these are absolutely enormous battles. They 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 almost are incomprehensibly big. Your line stretches for miles. You 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 look at one flank and that's that looks like an entire army is on your left flank, and then you start moving across your lines and you know two towns over you finally encounter your, your right flank. Um, and I really do appreciate that because so much of the, 
so much of this era is is about the scale, right? So much of the difficulty of command is about the scale. That this is sort of one of the first eras where armies have now completely gone beyond the reach of a single commander. It it can no longer be done. Uh, and and this is this is a game that this is a game and this is a series that that captures why that is why this is uh, too big a job and too complicated a job for you know for for a single commander even one with like sort of superpowers uh, as as you have with the with the camera uh, and so you 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 know a big part of the game becomes knowing when to delegate uh, knowing when you have to you know command brigade by brigade. Um, Versus when you just need to be assigning general orders, the core and division level, uh, and and getting on with your day, which which I really do appreciate. Yeah, there's a it's it's probably one of the more majestic war games in many ways. I mean, the we'll get the interface stuff, which I think Rowan is right on about, and how that gets in the way of the majesty it tries to convey. But you know, when you're given orders by your commander, you're, you're told. Uh, the Prussians are coming, the Prussians are coming, get up on that hill and block them. And you crest the hill, and then you look over, and oh my god, it's not the Prussians, it is all of Prussia that is coming. That's just how big uh, it feels. Yeah. You have this whole sea of black and white, you know, marching towards you. Like, oh my god. I mean, this is, you know, what Lee was talking about when he said war is beautiful, uh, no matter how awful it is. And there's, a, there's just something to it. And, you know, Quantity has a quality of its own, and if you like, you know, gigantic games, this is a gigantic game. Um, I think it's a bit too accurate in making it, you know, hard to control, even the interface aside. I mean, this, yes, historically, these armies were, at this point, larger than Napoleon could manage, um, and it's all well and good to have, you know... Um, incomplete information from, you know, one flank to the other and not knowing if when your orders get there, the situation's even going to be valid. Um, but that would all be well and good if the communication system was a little bit bigger, a little bit better. I think the the fidelity to scale in some ways gets, it's what, it's what the game is all about, but in some ways it gets in the way of this being a completely enjoyable experience. I mean, is I want to play Waterloo, but I don't want to be at Waterloo sometimes. Um, you know, the Bull Run was a big battle, but there, there was at least, <coughs> you could have some idea, I mean, you would never know exactly what was going on on the other side of the battlefield, but you had generally an idea of <coughs> what was going on relatively close to you. Here, because of the scale and how quickly things move and some, you know, issues with the AI, it's never really sure certain what you're supposed to be doing in this grand scale you're part of this huge machine or you're controlling the huge machine but it lurches and it fights you and it's so hard to interpret what is happening nearby uh, i'm sure if i put in i have i have 40 hours into the game i'm sure if i put in another 40 hours i might be able to figure some of this out <laughs> well and this is the surprising thing for me. Going back to the um, the Sid Meier's Gettysburg analogy, um, one of the things that Sid's Gettysburg did that was really, really brilliant, and uh, not enough war games have have embraced uh, embraced it, including even imitators like um, uh, Ultimate General. Sid's Gettysburg always let you know what the factors were that were affecting. 
uh, your soldiers, right? That, that, that little morale bar that sort of built up depending on where your troops were positioned and the context and what they were situated, did they have support from the sides, did they have support from behind, was there a commander nearby, gave you a great sense for how long a unit would stick. And it also gave you a sense then for, you could see that bar fill up with red uh, as a unit uh, sort of, as a unit was in combat. And as that bar filled up with red, you, you had a very good sense of how close they were to deciding you know, to hell with this. Uh, we we had enough. I have no idea when my soldiers are going to decide when to have when they've had enough uh, in this game. Like I just, and it's it's a weird thing. Like I, I get you know you can argue well it's, that's realistic. Sure, maybe, but it's not it's not fun. Like there's a morale bar, but is there, it doesn't is, do a great is, job. Is there really? Because I have seen so many troops last stand and just sit there and get pummeled down to two or three guys. Like if there's a morale meter, I'm not sure it's being used. Well, so I saw how this thing works. Like you know, today I was I was trying once again to. Um, I, I've been I've been having a hell of a time uh, getting getting the job done at Katra uh, Bra. Uh, as quickly as I as, as I should be as the French, uh, so I was I was giving that another shot uh, today, and I actually caught it. I actually caught the game sort of botching the morale cal- calculation. I think where I had a unit um, in the center of my line, and it had been fighting with uh, British reinforcements for quite some time, but it was finally driving them back. The morale bar was all the way full. Uh, there's just a little sliver taken off it, basically. And I've been fighting for quite a bit, so it's a, it's a pretty hardy unit. And then, in the space of, like, two volleys, uh, the morale bar went to zero, and they broke. And nothing happened. Like, there was no artillery nearby, there was no canister fire, uh, new units didn't come in and start targeting them. Uh, just inexplicably, that unit plummeted uh, in its morale, and started running, and the entire attack that it was sort of spearheading fell apart, and that kind of made me go, huh, like, this didn't happen in previous editions of this game. There's this, there's this weird feeling I've had throughout my playing of, of Scourge or Waterloo, where like, if I just gotten worse at this game, do I understand it less well? Or is for some reason it not working as well as it used to? And in that moment, I started to think that for whatever reason, despite the engine being old, despite the tech being old, parts of this design that used to be sort of reliable and predictable aren't anymore. And that really screws with your ability to make the kind of decisions this game depends on. I think this goes into what sort of my biggest early issue probably still one of the biggest issues i have with the game is is that um in order to simulate waterloo you have to deal with fortifications right so the hugamont and all the other forts are like they're key parts of the game and the forts are just sort of black holes like troops go in them and you're supposed to walk up and shoot at them until the troops leave them and there's just literally no way to tell how long that's going to take what it means like anything like that so the first scenario i load up is when i after i finish the tutorial which is not the worst war game tutorial i've ever had i should note but it definitely had some issues that uh uh weren't the greatest first introduction to the game but anyway the first scenario i load up is the first scenario in the game on the french side where you take a brigade and you attack the hugomont and 
literally this half hour scenario was just i watched this brigade i marched this brigade up to this fort they stand there and shoot at it for half an hour it ends and i'm told that i lost and then i'm like okay maybe that's just that first scenario so i load up another one as i think this is as a french division defending against the prussians and now I'm in the fort, and the Prussians are marching against it, and they just shoot at it for half an hour, and then the scenario ends. And it's like, I don't understand, like, what is supposed to be interesting or fun at this about this. Like, I get that maybe you can't see what the troops in the fort are, like, how strong they're going to be like as a realism thing but there's just they're they're just like these black holes that are absolutely necessary like if you try to assault the british right without having the hugomont then you're just going to get chewed up but like at least when you're making that attack you can see your little troops dying and say okay that that regiment is getting shot at a bunch they they might run away whereas the forts just like take this idea of you not being able to see what's there and reinforce it in this really negative way yeah i mean like i actually started trying to avoid uh scenarios with forts which is not good in a waterloo game uh especially given that most of the waterloo scenarios like fully half of them are like yo you need to take and hold hugama and i'm like god damn can we just can we just like (laughs) ixnay the uh hugama may come on um Okay, take and hold the high saint. Yeah. <laughs> or you go play Ligny, and it's like, okay, you need to take uh, saint amand Lahay, And I'm like, uh, God, let's, let's not. Because um, they're this not is, fun. This is what excited me when you were telling me about this game, right? You told me this is the best 19th century combat engine around. And I'm like, oh, cool. I get to do, you know, flanking maneuvers and having cavalry, like, pour in to where my infantry is, you know, blown a hole through their lines and all this stuff. And instead I find that I'm just, you know, I'm not in these lined up pitched battles where I'm making all these cool tactical decisions. I'm trying to take the Hugomont. Oh man, this kills me. Cause like, cause I, I swear to God, Rowan, if you'd played like take command second Nassus, if I'd given that game to you, um, you'd have, you'd have gotten what I was saying. But, and this is, uh, this is another point though. I also feel like in Take Command, Second Manassas, uh, and maybe like Bull Run, scenarios were better designed. And I don't know if that's because the design team had a better handle on Civil War combat and how to make a compelling uh, design around it, or maybe the fact that the co-founder of the original studio, um, <laughs> that, that was sort of forced out, I don't know. Um, maybe he contributed. More, maybe he contributed a little more uh to the scenario design of that game than uh than than he was sort of given credit for but with this game in particular i started to feel like okay there's the terrain and there's a historically accurate order of battle where the hell is the scenario you know it's like and i think take command second masses may have used um a, a little bit more scripting uh because things in that game tended to make a little more sense here again like in terms of things that feel like they don't work as well anymore i started feeling like i couldn't trust my subordinate commanders as much as i used to like i was seeing really messed up things happening when i was letting the ai 
uh, sort of look after its own affairs. And that's always been a bit of a tension with this game. Like, the AI isn't great. But this was the first time where I'd, like, turn around and the AI was just making a complete hash of what should have been a pretty straightforward advance across an open field. You know, like, it's, it's, a, it's an AI division commander uh, who somehow has tangled up uh, six brigades in, like, inter- interpolating lines, um, and they're all getting cut to ribbons, and his artillery is, like, parked right behind it and, and can't shoot. Uh, stuff like that is happening. And that's, that's tough to manage in a smaller scenario. Now, take that to the army level, and you've got some big problems. Yeah, there are a lot of problems with just basic army control. It is very difficult to, you know, you have your few little battalions and you still go and march up in some columns and set up here, here, and here. They'll get all mixed up. They will go in the worst direction. They will get crossed up with each other. Then you have AI uh, units marching beside you and you'll have lines all intertwined. For some reason, the AI just instantly goes into a square, no matter what. It just loves that square position, even if there's no cavalry around. It seems like I'm, a, I'm people are shooting at me. This game's about forts. Let's make a fort out of people. So they built this little square, <laughs> and they just say, this, this is not the place for a square, but they'll do it. And, I mean, I had just complete infantry encounter in the Prussian battle. It took bunch of confused infantry lines marching forwards, take a couple of shots at the Prussians, oh no, three or four squares form around me, then the AIs to the left and the right of me, they're forming squares, and I'm thinking, I missed a memo, or I don't know something about squares, everything I've been taught about squares is wrong, or about Waterloo is wrong. <laughs> and then they get these squares untangled, and it's just an absolute mess of the battlefield. You don't, you don't have... I don't expect the nice, clean, perfect lines you see in the Waterloo movie or on battlefield maps. That's very difficult to do, even in the Total War games, which have better control. But I don't expect to see lines meeting at, like, different acute angles, supposedly marching in the same direction. And some of that is AI, and some of that is UI. And I do remember it being much better than this. Much easier to control. Uh, Maybe it's... Maybe the game has just gotten too big. Um, that the attention to fidelity has moved beyond the capabilities of this engine, of this design, of this idea. You have a lot more options for your units, which is all well and good. But if they will not follow the orders or make the orders sensible, then it's pretty much all for nothing. Yeah, and, and I'll give you an example. Like something like even really simple stuff, like. Um, so there was a point the other day where I was sort of, um, you know, whittling away at this, uh, this French advance. And I was doing that thing where, you know, you get a, um, you get a unit around to the flank of the advance and you sort of route the leading unit and now you have a little more space to maneuver. And I want the units holding the center of my line to just move up a little bit and close the gap between it and the unit I sent out as the flanking unit. So all this line has to do is push forward, like, maybe 20 yards. <laughs> you know, take 20 steps forward, guys. That's all I'm asking. So I put the order in, and the formation does not about-face. And then all the guys from the right flank 
start walking over to the left flank and vice versa. And there's this weird, like, um, helix thing happening. Uh, there's this weird helix thing happening uh, with this, this infantry line. And then, uh, and then once they've, once they've, once everyone has changed position to their opposite position from where they started, the line about faces again, and then walks the 20 feet. In the meantime, you know what happens during that? Um, unless I miss my guess, uh, and certainly from the casualties they were taking, it looks like I, I, I'm not, um, they start getting the rear and flank penalties appended to them. Because the formation had had turned away, and people were fighting, firing into the back, and so like the the morale hit was was pretty severe. And so, unit that we'd just been crushing this French advance, suddenly one third of my brigade uh, was looking really shaky. They'd taken higher losses and were kind of panicked, um, all because I just wanted them to walk forward a little bit. I think. One of the one of the issues that I have with sort of the engine as a whole and the AI kind of runs into this is that it um I don't know if my units are abstract or in a physical space. So like in Total Warhammer, your units very directly inhabit a physical space. Like each individual in them is an actual person or elf or whatever sitting in that area. And you can tell that because, you know, occasionally a giant will rampage up and stomp on them. And like, it, that's not just a sort of visual metaphor. Whereas if you take a game like Ultimate General Civil War, like brigades always take up the same amount of space, whether they've got 500 people or 3,000 people. Like those are very abstracted ideas of... Uh, a thing that's there and in this game it seems to be halfway in between and i can't tell what half is is that like the way that regiments kind of run into one another and that forces them to kind of shift down to a different spot or they get those weird angles of uh how they're deciding to move or whatever kind of makes it seem like they're they have a physical space they can't be in the same spot and they'll do those weird things to get out of that get out of being in the same spot as each other but then i also will see things like i'll have an infantry regiment and a cavalry regiment sort of facing off against an enemy infantry regiment they go into a into a square my infantry regiment starts blasting down the square so i can like see on the map like there are just a pile of dead bodies where 40 percent of that square should be directly facing my infantry unit the rest of the enemies are all facing in the other direction this would be a very good time for that cavalry unit to just charge right in there and in total warhammer that would be like an extremely effective maneuver where the cavalry never does that and i don't know if that's the ai refusing to charge any kind of square or whatever or that it's still the game still sees you know they're 500 infantrymen in a square it doesn't matter where the bodies say they're dead they're still in that square formation and that sort of confusion i think goes on to making like all these grand army movements and so on not quite feel right like there there are times when it does feel right and that it's it's it does have this great sense of scale that and um especially like combined arms when you actually get the you know artillery softening enemies up the infantry creating a hole and the cavalry there to take advantage of it like that that feeling is there occasionally but half the time it feels like it's kind of an accident 
I mean, when this works, and it is one of the most beautiful games uh, I have on my computer. I mean, I, it takes beautiful screenshots. Um, when the when a battle plan comes together and everything works and you see the cavalry do its charge and starts cutting people down and the enemy runs or you take that hill after much fighting, no game, I think... I mean, even this one, but really the entire series, really no war game series gives me that satisfactory war movie feeling beyond this and 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 uh, uh, Company of Heroes. Company of Heroes feels like a war movie. This feels like a war movie. Well, they feel like very different war movies, but you know it gives you that satisfaction of you know putting the plan together and seeing it come to fruition, and it all works really well when it works really well but when it works poorly it's and i think rob you're right this is just such a move down from the other games it's like it's like pushing a string uphill i mean it's it'll eventually get there but it's taking all these twists and turns and if it rains you know that string's not going anywhere and there's a lot of times where it feels like i'm just walking through mud and the controls aren't great and it's which is kind of a shame because it's attached to this really interesting you know campaign system where you can build your own waterloo where you're not stuck to historical scenarios you're not stuck to where the crescendo of the battle happens historically you can actually pick your own points and if i felt better about the way the battle engine worked i would be really really excited about playing more of the campaign uh, but i just know it's gonna be more frustration I, I was kind of excited about the campaign idea because I thought that it would be like a full Waterloo campaign where you like have, you know, all your different cores that you're moving around and trying to get into the same place and, you know, separate the Prussians from the the English army or the the coalition army or whatever it was. Uh, and like try and figure those things out and maybe you don't necessarily get the... Um, Katra and Ligny without the expansions, but maybe you can sort of create a simulation of that. And instead, it's just like you pick with the size of your army, which is also the size of the enemy army, and you sort of maneuver around a map until you meet them. So well, it's part of you. You could also choose. You can choose to force the battle, or you can choose to see certain points. But it's an, it's you know it's and yeah, it's not trying to get this grand Waterloo. Uh, yeah. encounter, but it is about, you know, taking your little army and moving in the right direction and choosing what its goals are. I always cho choose to seek out the enemy army and destroy it instead of, you know, moving towards victory points because to hell with the magic hills. I mean, I'm all for finding the enemy army and destroying it. Um, but I, I really like the idea of the campaign because uh, it is such a, it is such a change. I like to see an experiment. But so they have this great experimental idea and then tie it to one of the weakest iterations of their battle engine. Um, so any enthusiasm would have had for, you know, really digging into this idea, it just does not work for me. Yeah, the um Yeah, the the campaign I like I had a hell of a time uh just getting units to uh to to move around. Um <laughs> I could like so I I only started experimenting with it the other day, um, but I could detach all kinds of little armies. Um, <laughs> I could never find a way to send them out from my main army. 
I could only reattach them to my main army and, and move the main army. I could not make uh, detachments uh, go running around. Um, but that's just that's something I, I probably there's probably something I missed in the in in the uh, in the manual about how to do that. Um, though I'm not sure what I missed because I, I had it open and I was like, this is not this is not happening. Um, I've, I've still got all of Wellington's forces just in a big ball, uh, and I can detach divisions, um, but I can't make those divisions go somewhere else. Um, but I was excited by the idea of that mode, uh, because, you know, so much of this campaign, so much of this kind of warfare is about splitting forces up and concentrating and having parts of the army sort of smack into each other unexpectedly. Um, but it just, it didn't, didn't work out that way for me. It, it, it doesn't sound like it's, it fully delivers on the uh, promise of like a Napoleonic campaign. Um, I will say, so I, I did spring for the, uh, the expansions. Um, I was surprised how much I enjoyed um, Katara. Like, I've played other war game scenarios of that battle, and they tend to be a little underwhelming. It feels like uh, the British kind of getting swept aside uh, by, by by the French, and at best maybe holding out. Uh, this feels like a little more of a uh, of a proper battle, a little more of a uh, exciting meeting meeting engagement, and I think the reason I've enjoyed that battle in particular is because it is the one that is least uh, perturbed by by stuff like fortifications. It's it's an open field meeting engagement uh, between you know two uh, fairly nimble armies compared to what you find in the Waterloo battle, uh, which is two really fixed positions uh, and sort of a you know killing field in between them. So I I did like that was a battle where I was starting to see like okay yeah this is this is kind of the game uh, I remember but yeah it used to it, I remember it used to work uh, a lot better and I'm and I'm also wondering is there maybe a little bigger of a difference between simulating civil war warfare like this versus Napoleonic's like. <laughs> Does introducing stuff like square formations and putting a lot of cavalry that you're supposed to use in melee, you're supposed to launch cavalry charge, putting that on the battlefield, does that start to undercut the design? I don't know, but there's enough places where this feels a little soft that I'm kind of wondering if it was as easy to map one-to-one -one, uh, from the Civil War games to Napoleonics uh, as, as it first appeared. I'd have to know more about what exactly they tweaked and what they changed. You know, how uh, how they model guns, for example, how they model range and accuracy. Um, like if, or is it just a matter of, um, you know, as you're splicing on melee cavalry and other, and lots and lots of bad artillery onto a Civil War setting, or are they, what happens when you make the muskets really pieces of crap? Um, plus all the other formations and you know the marching and the, the marching and column, uh, the the uh, attack column, uh, which is um, very prominent in Napoleonic warfare, and that I used quite a bit. 
and the other formations. I, I think it's more just the scale. I think that's what they're really running into the, the, the problems, that it's more than, you know, trying to make room for different types of weapons or different types of techniques, different types of combat arms. I think they're running into the problem of the battle is too big for its own good. I mean, maybe Catra Bras is, is better. Uh, I've, I haven't played much of that scenario, though I have it as well. Uh, maybe we should meet in the battlefield and see how that turns out. Um, but I, I think the problem with the, the Waterloo setting is it's just too large and the AI is not, is not good enough to handle it. And once you throw in all the wonkiness of you know, mixed up lines and you know your own troops marching across the battlefield like, you know, marionettes instead of getting shot at. <laughs> I I do kind of wonder if the um the fact the weapons aren't as good as the Civil War rifles uh does make you a little more sensitive to the crappy way that some of the units are maneuvering under AI control. Like I don't know, I, I but I it did sort of feel like there were a lot more times where I turned around and the unit just wasn't firing. Uh, because they were just out of range or something, so they weren't they weren't doing anything. They weren't really participating in a battle. So suddenly, I did have to make these little micro adjustments. That in a Civil War war game, I didn't as much because a unit was you know pretty much as lethal at two hundred yards as it was. A, you know, at four hundred yards, it was still able to be pretty damn lethal. Um, it was firing at a at a massed line, like it could still it could still be effective. Um, whereas here. They kind of just stop firing, uh, and so you got to maneuver them. Whereas you could just sort of let it ride uh, a little more in Civil War battles. I wonder if that's part of it. I want to go back to the forts thing, though. Do you think there's a good way to handle this? Like, I agree, Rowan. It it, it kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> it's it's. I, you know, you can all say there's it's an example of like the computer shouldn't have more fun than the player, but I don't think the computer's enjoying this either. Like, I don't think anyone is having a good time in that uh, bizarre, like, slow-paced uh, capture point attrition model they, they've adopted for, for forts in this game. I mean, um, there are a few options. You could set them up as just, like, places where units get super-duper extra cover. And so you see the unit as much as you see it anywhere else. Um, it might be look a little weird. I'm not sure how you design the graphics around that, but that would be one way to handle it. That's uh, sort of how uh, Ultimate General Civil War does it, is that there are various fortification points and the soldiers kind of like move into them, but you can still actually see the, how big the brigade is. Um, you could just have a meter that shows how close the fort is to breaking, I mean, that's it sort of goes against most of the way the rest of the game is, but without any kind of visual representation, you just don't know. Um, and or, or another thing is you could have the soldiers on the fort graphically in some way so you can see how much they're getting killed. Um, and that would probably, you know, stress the engine in, in ways that it's not necessarily there to be stressed by, but... Um, yeah, I, I other than having like a fort meter, I don't see a very easy way to do it. But that's that's probably a decision that you make before you decide to do Waterloo. You know. Yeah, like if this, yeah, it, it does sort of feel like if this is your solution, you you don't really have 
a solution uh, because I I felt they they kind of screwed up scenarios because uh, you couldn't ignore them, but they weren't fun to interact with at all. Um, which which gave everything a weird character, and and they're freaking everywhere. Like Ligny is another pretty exciting battle uh, in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of space to maneuver between the towns where the armies can clash, and uh, there's there's some great battles happening. But it's like every time I have a good like running battle uh, in the marshes uh, between, you know, like uh, you know Saint Amand and uh, you know like Ligny itself. Every time something good is happening, that's like, hey, this is cool 19th century warfare. I'm having fun. I've got to drop everything and start feeding units onto that capture point. It's like, oh god, it's like war. It's like war gamers Overwatch in hell. And, and you know, this is what probably what Napoleon felt at the Battle of Waterloo is <laughs> get on the point. Uh, yeah. Um... The most fun that I had with the game is that I started up a full-on battle as the French, and the first thing I did was I took, like, two brigades and sent them, uh, two brigades for each fort and sent them out and took each of the three forts on the, the, you know, in the attacking paths, and once I had accomplished that, then I, you know, launched my whole army into gear, and that attack was pretty cool, like, I, I... you know, sending the attacking the uh, with the French left at Waterloo and a sort of echelon formation and taking that hill that's immediately be, behind the Hougamont and then, you know, launching this massive frontal assault on the center that failed because somehow the AI decided to just let the English back into La High Saint. I don't know what it was doing but yeah they just walk back in but actually seeing that assault fail but like still slowly have holdouts there pinning down the uh pinning down wellington's line as my left continues to advance was pretty cool like this is this is what i had thought that i wanted the game to be um and then as i'm like victoriously pushing with my left one a couple of my regiments are turning further and further uh, uh to the west and they're just like chasing down the last few units that are taking off from my successful attack and they just run right into this still in columns totally unused entire division maybe two divisions of wellington's army that are just like sitting there pointed directly at the hugamont could have counterattacked at any point and they're just sitting there and i don't know that that was the moment when i was like okay i have probably had the most fun that i will have with this game because it seemed it seemed to really work very well until i realized that the ai was almost entirely static yeah that's another thing i've noticed uh in this game um so something a lot of war games will do and Sid Meier's Gettysburg did this, and uh, earlier Take Command games did this. Is you'll have uh, new, like you'll have allied troops or enemy troops on the battlefield, but who are basically frozen, right? It, it, you know, models they were assigned to other orders during this time. They're not going to intervene in this combat. Okay, fine. I'm I'm used to that. It feels like it happens more extensively here, like in. In Take Command Second Manassas and even Scores of War Gettysburg, 
there were a lot of times where it felt like, as a sub-commander, I was in the middle of this maelstrom where a lot of things were happening. Other commanders were doing things, sometimes doing them wrong, uh, but like a lot of stuff was going down, and that was that was pretty exciting. In this game, it feels like there's a lot of scenarios where allied units are just like frozen in place, practically like in in the battle, like they're they're you know they're practically like in, you know in the space uh, where the combat's going to be happening, but they just don't do anything. And there's been a lot of times playing those bigger scenarios where theoretically now everything should be in play, right? There are no AI units. It's, it's just a lot of, like, everyone is playing with their full armies. And boy, there are a lot of times where, like, you'll see enemy forces just sort of standing in the background, not moving. And, like, they could swing the battle, but they just, they just stay parked. And it happens often enough that it starts, it, it did start to feel a little bit like the AI didn't really have the capacity to react to a whole lot. It, it sort of felt like those Panzer General scenarios where the enemy is basically a static defense and you have to just kind of pierce that as quickly as you can. That's not a good feeling for a supposedly dynamic battle. See, a lot of the time I thought they were just res- they were holding the armies in reserve. No, they're just going to hold the reserves and they're going to wait for the right point and then they're going to come charging in. And they didn't. They just sat there and it's like, ah, oh, I was waiting for the push. But there's no push that happens and that's kind of disappointing. Yeah, so in my grand battle where <laughs> I, you know, my center has failed, my attack on the center has failed, but my attack on the left has gone well but sort of petered out because I haven't thrown in any reserves. Like, the next thing I see on the way to Wellington's headquarters or whatever is like the huge mass of uh, British cavalry and it's just sitting there. And so what my decision at this point is, is not how am I going to defend my attack against the inevitable counterattack of the British cavalry here, but it's what troops do I bring up next to send at these cavalry units and defeat them and then like continue moving on it feels like an adventure game or something with a specific puzzle that i have to resolve as opposed to testing my command because you know i probably had my troops chewed up from attacking too hard as a first time army level commander in this game and like casualty rates were very high and so were the so were the british but you know you also got like a not reactive AI. Um, so in the in the Contra Bra scenario, uh, in one of them at least, so the British forces were holding this 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 road, the road in the Contra Bra, um, and that's kind of the, ma- the the last objective really. Like you clear that, and you got a clear shot to the town itself, and you can really start rolling up the entire British position. Uh, cool. So. My flanking attack goes off without a hitch. Uh, I get around the edge of that British line, and I'm starting to bend it back on itself. They have reinforcements show up. It's a scripted reinforcement. These guys always show up at a certain point in the battle. Um, but they show up, and they start causing the, the, the attack to falter. There's a lot of them. So I get the divisional artillery, and I just move it from the frontal assault, from supporting the frontal assault. I move it 
basically into the battle line of the flanking attack. So I've got, you know, basically I've got an L that's enclosing this British position. And I just open up the hinge of the L and put about like eight artillery batteries in the middle of that gap. And the AI doesn't do anything. Like, I am moving infantry out of the way. Like, it's just artillery setting up, like, a hundred yards from the British. And the AI doesn't do anything. And once those batteries got set up, you know what happened next? It was, it, it, it was grape shot. It was, uh, it was canister fire. Um, so just started just gouging holes uh, in the British line. Not going to lie, it was pretty satisfying. Like, it was... <laughs> It was it was pretty good. It was a tower defense worthy moment. Uh just watching these these poor bastards just get clubbed down uh by this artillery. But at the same time, like it was the equivalent of like watching watching somebody like, you know, drag a bomb into place on your front lawn and like just looking out the window and being like, Yeah, wonder what he's up to. <laughs> wonder what's gonna happen next. Guys, should we stop the payload? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, give it a minute. I want to see where he's going with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just... I don't know what happened here. And it, it frustrates me. Because, like, I w I've, been, I've been looking forward to this game for a while. I wanted to cover it last year. Um, so I was excited to finally get around to it this year. And I've had a few good times with it. Uh, there's, there's a few scenarios I've really enjoyed, but the thing I'm having trouble figuring out is whether or not this design just got too long in the tooth and I'm just not enjoying it as much anymore or if somehow it, it broke between Take Command, Second Manassas, and Scourge of War and this. But it kind of feels like it broke. Yeah, I didn't put a lot of hours into Scourge War Gettysburg, so I'm not quite sure how that ended up going. Um, have, did you play a lot of it, Rob? I'm not sure if we could... Uh, so I didn't play a lot of Scourge War Gettysburg, so I have no idea where that kind of fits in here. But, I mean, I don't think it's something wrong with the design of the game, per se, because I still think... Because I mean, I have a lot of good times playing it. When it when it when it works, it is a beautiful and freeing experience. You, it it feels like you are in command. It feels like you are controlling this huge machine. Um, and then you run into the stuff that takes you right out of it. You run into the permanent squares. You run into a a, a soldier lines of soldiers to stand there and get shot. Uh, without running away, uh, the poor morale system. You run into the problem with the UI being unable to get your lines sorted out, uh, which takes you immediately out of it. So when I'm really getting into the things that make this series so great, finally I'm running into things that just take me out of it too quickly and too soon um, and too hard. So it's like I have a, got a couple of good hours in, and then it's like, well, I really don't want to spend the next 30 minutes untangling uh, this division. It's like, you know, you have a, a knot in your shoelaces. And it's like, I could just leave it there and just kick the shoe off, or I can be an adult and untie it. And sometimes just kick the shoe off and leave the knot and worry about it the next day. And that's kind of what 
I was doing a lot of the time. It was the knots are too big in this line. I'm just going to shut it down and go play something else, uh, which is too bad because I really, really, really love this series. Um, it is, you know, I think one of the more, most significant um, <clears throat> war game series the last 20 years. But we really, I'm hoping they move to the, either improve the AI, improve the interface, um, or go to a smaller back. Hope they did some diagnostics. I have no idea <clears throat> how this game is being received. And I'm sure on the fan boards, there are still a lot of people who probably said this is the greatest game ever. Um, as I recall, uh, Tim Stone in his review uh, a couple of years ago had some issues with it. But I said, oh, it's Tim. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's the smartest person there is. <clears throat> and it's so much, so much frustration. Um, but like I said, I, I haven't played Gettysburg, so I'm not sure if this is Gettysburg is a problem with the Scourge of War engine after Take Command, because uh, Gettysburg is also a huge battle, or if it's something about Waterloo specifically. So I, I will say Gettysburg was also a step down from Take Command, Second Manassas. Um, it was... Like, some of these issues cropped up there, too. Like, the interface somehow got a little worse between the games. Like, it went in the wrong direction. I don't fully understand how that happened. The scenarios didn't quite seem as thoughtfully designed uh, as they'd been in uh, Take Command, Second Manassas. Um, so, in Take Command, Second Manassas did really well. Was it kind of nested a lot of scenarios together, right? So, you play the same encounter, but, like, at the brigade level, then the division level, and then, like, the, uh, you know, the core or wing uh, level. Which actually helped right because it like really let you explore uh a single engagement and then as you increase the scale it also increases like the uh the possibilities uh of, of the scenario there's a lot of that in take command second manassas in gettysburg there started to be less um and so overall like where take command second manassas sort of felt like a more hardcore Sid Meier's gettysburg in a lot of ways Scourge of War is where it started to feel like the the Sid legacy was getting a little bit lost, and I don't know. It was it was maybe focusing too much on realism or, or too much on evolution of of, of formations. Uh, I don't know. It definitely wasn't strong as previous efforts, but it still had some great scenarios and it's still a, a pretty good time, uh, and. The expansionary scenarios were okay, but I never, I never did fall in love with it the way I did Take Command Second Manassas. That's that aside. This has got me wondering if maybe Scourge of War to Gettysburg wasn't weaker than I thought too. But uh, this this feels this feels very different. Uh, I didn't I didn't notice this many problems uh, with Gettysburg, and I did put a fair bit of time into it. Glad yeah. I could help lift the fog from your eyes with my skepticism of my first encounter. Because you were pretty shocked that I wasn't enjoying this game immediately, Rob. I was. I was upset. <laughs> I was like, I've, "I'm giving you. I'm giving you pearls here, son." <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I, I was like, "Oh, Rowan's gonna love this." You know what I mean? It's like you give your friend a book or something or a show, and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. You're just going to, oh, what a treat. Oh, to play one of these for the first time. Mm. Oh, you're you're going to start with season seven of Buffy, and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and That does seem to be what happened here, um, which, is, which is really too bad. 
Um, I don't think... <laughs> so here's the hell of it, guys. As a war game, I'm not really sure I can recommend this. But here's the thing. I really, really like Napoleonics, and I just <laughs> want to play with Napoleon's armies at Waterloo on a basis in a way that makes me feel like I'm pushing awesome little miniatures around the board. Like I'm still looking for that next hit of um, Fields of Glory from like 1993. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like even though I have all these issues, I have no choice but to like love this game. Like even though it doesn't deserve it, I'm just like, all right, I can fix you. Let's 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 make this work. And that's how Rob learned to mod. <laughs> oh I mean, man, I, I'm curious what that scene is done with this game. I, mean, I kind of wish this show would be going up, you know, like tonight, the time we record, because Slytherin is having a huge sale on yeah. all their Steam games, uh, which is kind of unheard of for them to have, you know, their games, you know, 60% off, 70% off. Um, it's not something they do very often, and uh, I'm not sure that this is the kind of game I would. I'm not as I'm a, not as into Napoleonics as you are, Rob. I'm not sure I would recommend this for like the fifty dollar price, but you know, for twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, it's a game. If you're interested in war games, I think people should experience. Um, I think they should see where this is. Um, With the DLC, it's worth taking a flyer on. Yeah, sure. Can can I do a, a quick segment on, yeah. for a vaguely relevant game? Um, Ultimate General Civil War released their Chickamauga patch, and it's awesome. Okay. And I think it's easily the best scenario in the game that I have played so far. I've only done it from the uh, Union side, but uh, it it really uses the scenario design and the line of sight difficulties of fighting in a dense forest in a way that makes it feel like a confusing mess in the way that a lot of the other battles don't. Have you played any of the other scenarios? Like did the AI get better across the board or? Um, it feels like somewhat they have, but I'm not totally, I'm not totally certain about the whole thing. I think it's, it's, it's definitely improving, but I'm not sure it's fully improved. I'll have to see if the Union can actually successfully launch an attack at Antietam at some point. But uh, I did see some like major successful attacks at Chickamauga, where the Longstreet's entire wing of the army actually crashed into the Union Center successfully. And uh, I also played Chancellorsville as the Rebels again, and Hooker launched an attack on Lee's side of the army during the second day which i had not seen it do before and obviously he didn't do in real life so i don't know if you want to consider that a good thing but it, it's showing some coherent aggression that uh is i i think a, a positive sign well <laughs> the problem is if you make the ai actually do things and attack uh it's not going to do a very good job of imitating union generals <laughs> before <laughs> <Yeah>. 1863 <laughs> Uh, well, that is, that is a good update. I'm, you know, <laughs> related after sort of beating my head against this game for the past week, uh, Scourge of War, Waterloo, uh, I did reinstall, uh, Ultimate General Civil War today, and I started playing, uh, Chickamauga, so, 
Yeah. Yeah, this definitely wet my appetite, but didn't fully satisfy it. Uh, so, I wish I still wish they had multiplayer for the battles and you see, you know, you see <laughs> yeah, did we, the general. Oh did we ever God, issue a correction? Uh, okay. We, we talked about how great that game would be in multiplayer and how we should do it when we did the show a couple months ago. Okay, not only that, so we got wrong on the show because we assumed that it would have multiplayer because. Ultimate General Gettysburg had pretty decent multiplayer. So we assumed that. Game doesn't have multiplayer. May not have plans to add multiplayer. So we blew that call. Not great. <laughs> but then, but then, this guy starts a Twitter thread trying to arrange a multiplayer session for a game that we do not yet know does not have multiplayer in it. I'm off trying to do something. I'm trying to live my goddamn life. Oh, whatever. And... <laughs> Rowan tags in like three or four people trying to get this multiplayer game together. The conversation goes on for about four hours. Oh, sorry, I'm not ready yet. Oh, I'm busy. Like, I'm eating dinner. Okay, I'll catch you guys. Like four hours of these guys arranging this multiplayer session to the point where I was like, I almost did one of those shitty tweets where it's like, guys, like, can you tag me out of this conversation, please? Like, I almost did that. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm be cool. I'm just going to mute my notifications. But the great thing is, the next morning I wake up, scroll the end of my mentions, and I see Rowan sort of sheepishly being like, huh, you guys know this game doesn't have multiplayer? It's amazing. This, this is why we're the experts. Yeah, we're the experts. We're great. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it, fellas. I don't, it's really weird that that game doesn't have multiplayer. Yeah, I I'll actually say don't, that. I don't There's, get it. That it is downright shocking. It's it so offense. playable. Yeah, and and they had it. They had it in the other game, and yeah. so I assume a lot is shared between the two games. I don't know why you wouldn't toss it in. Probably because nobody played multiplayer uh, of the original game. Uh, but hey, Fraser and I did, and it was great. Because uh, Fraser doesn't know shit about the Civil War, so <laughs> I just. I just shoot him up and spit him out in one scenario after another. It was delightful. The All devils right. did. I should attack that, right? I'm not going to even try to do Fraser's accent. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that will do it for this week. This week, uh, We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Uh, finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. Uh, you can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, for Troy and Rowan, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>